Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. She's the hand up Mona Lisa's skirt, Whitney Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Hi, everyone. That's me. (laughs) Own it. And uh, vanity is definitely his favorite sin. Evan oh, Wells. God damn it. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, you wanted the Mona Lisa line. You can't have it, Evan. You can't have it. That was for Whitney. I'm working on it. I don't know why that made me think of Whitney, but I thought it's because my brand is strong, Andrew. That's why you thought <laughs> it, of me. It certainly is strong, and that's certainly <laughs> the reason why. Even on a subconscious level, I was like, "That's the there's one. not too Soon much as- that I play close to the vest." You get a pretty good feel for Whitney right off the bat. <laughs> I don't, I don't go through the quotes uh, like on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or anything. Like when they say it in the movie, that's basic. I'm like, there's the one. I don't take the time to go back. I'm like, this is this is it. So there you go. There we have it. Mm-hmm. Up top, I want to mention that you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com. Email us at coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. I this is a very exciting episode. However, mm. I I. And, and I don't want it to overshadow what we're doing right now. But next week, The Matrix. Holy mm-hmm. shit. I've heard of it. The mothership, <laughs> as some refer to it in the Keanu circles. It's a funny Evan mm. story from today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Evan watched The Matrix thinking that we were going to be recording that tonight. So in mm-hmm. a last minute scramble, he had to... Yeah. He was all prepped and ready to go for the Matrix. And then he was like, wait, that's not the movie we're talking about. Right. I mentioned Pacino and he's like, wait a minute. I thought you were messing with me. No, no. I know. And and then I found out. Regardless, it's okay. You're here. Please send us your Matrix stories. And what do I mean by this? We set up an, I set up this anchor account. I'm not really, you know, anchors fine or whatever. What I want is for you to record just like a 60 seconds, two minutes, whatever you're into about the first time you saw the matrix, whether that was in theaters or not, or you saw it on home video or whatever. And not like the theater was full and I paid $12 and I got a soda. Like, no, like how to make you feel to see that movie for the first time. Cause this is for me, the matrix is the first Keanu movie I saw in theaters. And I remember vividly what that experience was like. So Mm -hmm. if you have something like that and you want to share it, please do. We've already received a couple of really great uh, submissions, which I shared at least one of those with the two of you. That's Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get that mm-hmm. guy on the show. So yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> there's some fun stuff. I definitely think that my sister needs to call in because here's the thing. There's only one memory between the two of us and Lindsay has it. I don't remember how I felt watching The Matrix. I don't remember seeing The Matrix for the first time. What? I have seen it and I've seen it many times since. I don't remember what it was like to see it in the theater. I know that we went dressed up to the second one. I dressed up as trinity for the matrix 2 nice. but so clearly it made a, a big enough of an impact that i was like hey this is happening um but <laughs> but i don't remember what it was like so Lindsay one. needs to yeah. call in and uh leave a message on anchor because she'll remember exactly what both of our reactions were yes Lindsay, come on what are you doing yeah you, you have the memories yeah yeah and don't 
obviously you don't have to use anchor if you just want to use like the notes the audio notes app on your phone and then email that to us we really i mm. really just want to this is an audio medium we want to hear your voices yeah some people asked if they could write in and that's great and if you write in obviously we'll read we'll that read and we'll we appreciate that but if we can hear it from you that's ideal so please do that uh we have yeah. until about this maybe next tuesday or wednesday something like that before we kick that off so uh that's that and then uh patreon you want to support us there do that patreon.com slash cool pod all that good stuff uh let's not dwell too much on that evan what are we here today discussing oh man and do we're... you know what we're here today discussing <laughs> right. because as of like four hours ago that was up in the air this is actually uh oh hold on a second evan what movie are we discussing today? Oh, wow. Is Woof. it? <laughs> that is a sick burn. Got him. I'd Sorry. get that this, wrong, too. If this weren't... So there's my favorite joke on the internet is yeah. to link to the list of burn centers in the United States on Wikipedia. Yes. Anytime that in written form, someone burns somebody else. <laughs> I just plop that link right in there. Yeah. I had it. I had it hotkeyed on my old computer. Amazing. Yeah. Because it's hilarious that when it pops up in a work chat or a whatever, <laughs> and it's just list of burn centers in the United States. Unfortunately, that doesn't play as well here on a podcast, but if I could, I would have done that. just. Now. Absolutely. I understand. I understand. So Evan, what are we talking about? <clears throat> Um, a fantastic movie called The Matrix, which was actually incorrect. False. <laughs> no, today we are talking about The Devil's Advocate. Um, and the synopsis from IMDb is as follows: An exceptionally adept Florida lawyer is offered a job at a high-end New York City law firm with a high-end boss. The biggest opportunity of his career to date. Um, this movie was directed by Taylor Hackford, who you might also know as the director of An Officer and a Gentleman, Proof of Life, and Ray. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, Lindsay and me, uh, personal lives, our stepmom was the second AD on Ray. Wow, no that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, great movie. she was second AD on a lot of stuff, but that's that's like probably her biggest credit. That's unbelievable. Stepmom in second AD and stuff. Lindsay's mm -hmm. in the prestige. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. We're all up in your entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Co-starring alongside Keanu in this film is Al Pacino. Charlize Theron, uh, Jeffrey Jones, Judith Ivey, Connie Nielsen, and Greg T. Nelson. No? <laughs> Coach? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I had a prime. Wow. I was ready. Sorry. All I right. mean, it's factual. <laughs> oh, man. Woo! It's spicy in here, you guys. I don't know what happened tonight, but we're, we're off to a start. Everyone's bringing some some heat. Okay, all right, all right. Speaking of heat, uh, Whitney, do you want to tell us what the critics and audiences thought of this movie? Yeah. So this, I remember this movie being a very big deal when it came out, and people talking about it. And uh, I 
in retrospect, the critical score is about what I would expect. It's 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the uh, the audience score is a whopping 80% for this movie. That is something else. That's high. A lot. That's yeah. a lot. So there's a critic quote that we have pulled here from Kenneth Turan from the LA Times who said, Although it's nice for a film to be ambitious, there is such a thing as overreaching. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, a pretty succinct way to describe a lot of this movie, but yeah. we'll get to that in a moment. All right. And then mm. there's a, a user quote, uh, a user review on Rotten Tomatoes from Jacob P., who gave three and a half stars, and he says, A pretty interesting story. Way too long for its genre, but still entertaining and enjoyable enough to keep me watching. Which also, I think, is fairly apropos we'll we'll get into it we'll talk more but yeah uh yeah so that's that's what people said about it at the time those are some pretty even i feel like those are pretty even-handed right kenneth turret i'm sure if you in the context of the larger review you know it was a this is a backhanded compliment from him kind of he says the movie's ambitious and then uh, maybe a little bit more so and then three and a half stars that yeah i'm feeling i'm feeling pretty good about that too so all right so who's going first you know Andrew went for us last week, and he had a lot to say. So, Evan or Whitney? Uh, yeah, yeah. One of you can knock it out. Uh, okay, Whitney. Ahead, Whitney. Evan's taking too long. <laughs> All right. So, in the high-level sort of overview of what we thought of this movie, did this movie work for us? So, going into it, only remembering certain, like, vignettes and scenes and basically just remembering the last 20 minutes of the movie and nothing else about the movie. Yeah. Um, I was concerned about how well, there's a lot of stuff about women in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I did not think it was going to hold up in this day and age. And with my social justice lens, is the devil's advocate going to just be ragingly misogynistic? And the answer is, yeah, kind of, but not as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. Um, there is quite a bit of talk of a lot of sensitive subjects um, because you're dealing with essentially evil in this movie. So there's pedophilia, there's suicide stuff, there's rape stuff. Like a lot of things come up that are, you know, heavy topics to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I do think that because this whole, the whole thing is sort of enveloped in this you know right away from the very first person that you see him get off in trial, he's arguing for the bad guys. So you know that they're all bad guys. So I think that puts it into a little bit more context. I do think that there's a lot of, the women are exceptionally catty in this whole movie. And that is actually, I think, the thing that holds up the least. Not that women aren't catty now, but that like, it's a big culture shift to to be for women to support women more so than to tear women down. Mm-hmm. And in this movie where essentially you have Charlize Theron's character, her like sort of spiraling out and her degradation is like the heart of the movie. It's actually what this movie is about, in my opinion. Yeah. But they don't spend enough time on her. She's always kind of happening in the background. It's always kind of tertiary. But because of that, the the way that the women interact and are catty to one another and like sniping one another very like low-key and all of that i think was the biggest thing that i actually had an issue with in this movie was how how the women were to each other also this movie has so much topless female nudity in it for like no reason (laughs) yes 
Um, and, uh, you know, whatever. I like boobs as much as the next guy. I'm not going to complain. But also, it didn't need to be there. Um, I felt like it was just there to be shocking. And there was a few things in this movie that I felt like they were just there to be shocking, which made them not shocking to me. And this could be a product of the age where things that are shocking now, you know, like the very first episode of Black Mirror in the mid-90s. <laughs> would would not have flown in the same way like just the idea of the prime minister having sex with a pig yes wouldn't have been a thing that you would talk about in the same way so i think part of it is just boobs aren't don't mean the same thing now that they did in 96 97 but the but like we even had a moving sculpture in the office to supply more naked boobs should there be a call for more boobs anywhere. There was like, well, can we shoehorn in some more boobs? <laughs> I will say the I agree with that critic who like this movie is unafraid to go over the top and even potentially be silly to be like a spectacle, to be ambitious and to like really reach. And it worked very hard to sort of earn the reveal at the end. But I don't think that it hit it. I think it went too far. Um, I think that there were times that it was cheesy i think that they should have held the tension much better than they did because mm -hmm. it's a very tense movie and to really sell the underlying evil there should have been well it shouldn't have been two and a half hours long first of all <laughs> yes. um but like i think a great example of a movie that's kind of slow but has tension the whole time is um oh, what's the movie with denzel washington where he's like he gets passed from body to body by touch fallen Yes, Fallen. Ooh. Fallen yes. is a is a more like serious movie. It's not like a horror movie. Great movie. And it keeps that tension the whole time, even when it's just serious actors like monologuing. That tension is still there. And I think if if this movie had had more of that kind of tension, it would have played so much better at the end because they're doing things like in the soundtrack, there's ominous music. And Charlize Theron is looking around like something's happening, but you don't actually see anything on screen because they're trying to like lead up to the big reveal. Yeah. But it does. It didn't ever feel tense to me, which made the movie seem like it didn't. It was too over the top. And I mean, I get it. Like if you're making a movie about the devil being the head of a powerful law firm in New York, like you have to sign up for pedophilia and sex and depraved acts and all sorts of stuff like that. But you you know, there's only so much that that works being shown. I feel like there wasn't enough being earned. It was all being shown to me and it wasn't being earned. It didn't like emotionally draw me in in the way that I needed it to for it to pay off. Um, and I also don't know how much of that is because I did know, like for all of the stuff I did not remember about this story, I did know that Al Pacino was the devil the whole time. Right. So I don't know if it lost an element of that with me because I knew like, these are demons. This is the devil. This is, you know, a whole thing. And I didn't remember how that played out or why Keanu Reeves was involved in any of this or anything like that. I didn't remember any of that, but I did know El Pacino is Satan from the get go. So some of the special effects don't play well now either. Um, they've definitely aged. I think there was a lot of beautiful technical work. I don't think the editing was great, as evidenced by the fact that it's two and a half hours long. Um, <laughs> But I think that a lot of the the set design and the um, cinematography, like the, there's a lot of camera placement that does a lot to build an air of, you know, 
tension or mystery or whatever. I think they do a good job with that. Um, and I do think the sound design was good. I just, the sound design was leading and I don't like when it's leading um, because then you're like looking around for what it's leading you to. When there's like a dramatic bomb, you're like, what's scary? What's happening? I don't know. It's there, but I don't see it. And then it takes me out of the, the movie that I'm watching. And that happened like three times in this. But I think the rest of the the score and the sound effects and doing the sort of underlying evil throughout the whole score and throughout the whole movie was done pretty well for the most part. There was just like two or three times where it had no subtlety and took me right out of it. <laughs> There was there was like I remember one or two times in the very beginning where like a car door would close and it was like yeah. like this huge bass hit. And I'm like, why? Why did yeah. it do that? <laughs> um, and then I think I think Keanu um, did a fine job. I think that he. I don't think this is the strongest performance of his that we've seen. I think that he didn't play either naive enough or cynical enough. He kind of walked the road between, you know, sort of lawyer who's a shark and doesn't mind getting off the bad guys and naive person who thinks everything's going to work out okay. I think he he tiptoed back and forth between the two too much that it didn't feel as real as it could have. I think if he'd been more naive or more cynical, it would have played better for me. Yeah. So I I think he carried it. I think there's a lot of very strong performances in this movie though, and I don't know that he necessarily stacked up to like Charlize Theron and Al Pacino in this movie. Right. I think he did a good job. I don't think this was his best job. Yeah, I can uh, I can get behind that for sure. For sure. Ev? Is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh boy. I think uh I think I don't remember the last time I saw this movie. I know I've seen it. I hope I wasn't young. Because this movie's <laughs> was pretty young this movie's heavy if you're young i liked it all in all it definitely worked for me uh, but i was caught off guard at times i think i went into this movie not realizing that there are some pretty impactful parts and i was actually impressed with most of the effects whitney i think you were kind of saying the same thing the only place where it broke down was like at the end with the thing on his wall Mm. That's where I think it broke the down. whole last part with the like face morphing into Ooh. like the angel and the, all that kind of stuff. Just, yeah, yeah. Just felt That's very tough. cheesy. Some of the like demon faces sort of slipping in and out worked just fine and didn't really age Those that were much. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And even like the scene with the hands under her skin was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, what about the invisible pretty, runners? Pretty creepy. Those were at, when you first see them, they were great. But then when they were running like over the camera, yeah, they it's... messed it up real bad. <laughs> yeah. So it was in and out. But um, I thought that that was really great. And then the, I think the plot's fine. I mean, it's, if we're comparing it to Fallen, it's like a whole other thing. But well, fa- I was thinking of that too. It's not even remotely though. like Fallen. But yeah. there's yeah. just like, it, when you're talking big names in a serious movie that has that sort of, tension lurking underneath the surface throughout the whole thing i think falling does that in an incredible way whereas this movie didn't quite achieve it yeah um character development wise i mean charlie's takes the cake there i mean she just turned into a totally different 
human, um, mm-hmm. which was wildly impressive. I mean, her whole appearance changed, and it was it was very good. She did a phenomenal job. I think, Whitney, to your point, like Pacino was just kind of the same guy the whole time, and that's fine. That's kind of how he's supposed to be. There wasn't yeah, a point I mean, it's Al where Pacino. He, <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a point where he came across as like trying to be good which I think they were hoping to achieve in the beginning to make him seem innocent and and like that he's just trying to help out Keanu as a young lawyer. Mm. But again, that could have just been because I had at least an inkling of what it was going to do. But then, technically speaking, yeah, the editing needed some some work. I didn't really find myself distracted in this movie, though, like in others. So that that's kind of my my gauge. And I thought Keanu did pretty well. Again, I don't know why they keep making him Southern. <laughs> I really don't know why they keep making him Southern. Yeah, and he comes I in and still, out. I still hold that I think his best accent was in Little Buddha, which is fuck wild. Right. Yeah. Um, but he he came in and out of the accent a lot. And mm-hmm. I thought for a second, I was like, okay, maybe they're only going to make him, like, they're going to double down on this, or Keanu did, and only make him Southern when he's, like, raw, when he's, like, angry, or when he's, like, not in the courtroom. Like, that would be great. That would actually be smart. But then it just, it didn't really stick to that. But I just, it was super annoying, because then I got <laughs> transfixed on it. And mm-hmm. so, but otherwise, I thought he did a great job. I thought he... Uh, aside from when he tries to be romantic, but I thought he did a great job in general. So yeah, I, I think it worked for me. I was I was entertained. Okay, all right, Andrew. Wow. Well, you couldn't have uh, two more opposite films than this week and last week. So yeah. and likewise, my feelings about said films. Uh, this movie really worked. Pretty much for me. I have some nits to pick with it, but for the most part, let me start off with what I liked about it, in addition to all the the good things that the two of you have said. So there are some very striking visuals in this movie that I liked a lot. Like whenever they were like when they were in that big church, I was like, holy, every shot in that church. And that's a lot of location type stuff, but they worked Mm -hmm. with it and it was awesome. Uh, fun fact that's not in the trivia that, um, that patio outside of Al Pacino's office, that like infinity pool. Yes. Yeah. That's real. Holy that is not That is not like green screened. That's not matte painted. That is on the 50th floor of a building in New York. And it is that that's real. Whoa, that was a location red. that they scouted. I was blown away when I read that, but I couldn't figure out how to make it into a question. <laughs> True, false. <laughs> Is it real? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and that was another one that I had written down too, where I was just like, "That is an unbelievable mm-hmm. bit of like location scouting paired with just excellent camera work to show the scale, like the enormity of that." Everyone knows that New York is massive, but to get it from a new angle that reinforces that point is refreshing, especially for a movie yeah. that was made 20 years ago. So I really, Definitely. really like that. I really liked, I, I don't know if the two of you agree with this. I really like the chemistry between these two in the beginning of the movie. Mm. Um, 
there's a scene where like Keanu bites the earring right out of her ear. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I was like, well, that's pretty hot actually. And she kind of gives her, it's like a, she reacts to that. And what I believe would be like a natural way. I was like, wow, that was great. These two, I thought they worked well together. Um, yeah, I never felt like there was passion between them. Okay. It, it didn't feel like the chemistry there was very much, um, they felt comfortable around each other and that, that played off. I, I didn't ever feel like I could see these two as a couple as much so as like, they are very comfortable around each other. And so that made some of those more relationship type moments work yes. for me. I didn't, I didn't see like, oh yeah, this is totally working, but it, it, there definitely were moments I, specifically that earring moment. That was a really, really good moment. And I don't know if that was in the script or if that was, you know, directorial right. or who, who added that in, but that was a very good relationship type moment where I was like, Oh, that's fun and sexy. And I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That's just, a th- I, I don't, you don't see too many things that feel kind of off the cuff. Like, like, yeah. you, like you exactly said, that could have been totally ad-libbed and they just kept it in, but it worked mm-hmm. really, really well. So their relationship for me was was pretty good. I mean, <laughs> for as long as it was good, you know, for the rest of the movie, basically after that point, they keep her at arm's length uh, almost entirely. Which, which is, is a real shame yeah. because I really think that she is the heart of the story and like the best way to mirror what's happening in the world and, and what's happening in general, like to keep that tension up and to do whatever. If they hadn't side- sidelined her, I think that that movie would have had a whole different tone. I think Absolutely. it would have been much better if you had just kind of moved Charlize into the spotlight and made her the main character. Yeah, hmm. I, I agree with that. I think uh, Keanu's character, like you said, walked the line a little bit too much. And then you have these polar, <laughs> these quite literal polar opposites, like his mom's character is the, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you have Satan essentially yeah. and you're like, okay, we got, <laughs> we need it like that middle ground and it was Charlize, but it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't enough. Well, and there, there were times where her sort of, you know, descent into madness felt very natural. And then there were times where it's like, oh, we've escalated a lot in this descent into madness stuff. Yes. And it's because she was sidelined and wasn't on screen the whole time. And we're spending more time on like court cases in Keanu than we were on her. But there were times where it like very naturally progressed, like with the friend questioning every single paint choice that she makes and her having the anxiety about building a home, but also he's not there, but also this friend is questioning everything that she's doing and she has to impress this friend because she doesn't have any friends. And like all of that felt pitch perfect on. But then all of a sudden she's like, they've come in the night and stolen my ovaries. And then it's like, wait, what? What? Hold on a second. Um, And (laughs) I think that that would have been a good factor in building the tension more and keeping it more of a thriller type thing if she had been more of the forefront. Yes. I'm going to, I will, I have a note about that specifically, but I have one last thing that I would want to say positively about this movie before I pick some nits. The, there were some lines in this movie that are just like perfect. It made me. And they're mostly Pacino lines, and the, that guy can just this is say a very anything. Dialogue-driven movie. This would right. not have an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes audience score if the dialogue were were different. It's very, yeah. it's very over the top. It really gives people the actor something to sink their teeth into. Mainly Al Pacino, yeah, but kind of everyone. None of it is is realistic. It's all kind of heightened, but it's heightened in sort of a. 
way that plays. I yes. actually have a note about that in my notes as I was taking notes while watching the movie in the, the end sort of monologue slash diatribe from Al Pacino at the climax. I was like, none, no person talks like this. And I started writing down what he was saying. And as I looked at it, I was like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. This is nonsense. Right. But like, it sounds great. It does. And so that's definitely a thing that I think makes this movie play is the dialogue sounds great. They're sort of like a gravitas to the language of this movie mm. without going over the top. That's the way point. that I think some other things did go over the top. Specifically in that sequence that you're referring to at the end, he has what I think is one of the best lines ever coming from that character, right? So we know that he's Satan, right? Obviously. And once that's made clear, he says, I got the millennium coming up, title fight round 20. And I love that. <laughs> so, and he's like, does like the shadow boxing move. And I'm like, this mm -hmm. guy can say anything. And I'll believe it. <laughs> it's true. Like he's, he's completely, he's great. He's a great actor. Mm -hmm. That goes without saying. Okay. Yeah. Here are some problems I have with this movie. Mm. I loved the time lapses that they used in this movie. However, no, I wasn't, wasn't into it. You weren't? No. Okay. Let me, let me tell you what I liked and dis I liked them at, at a conceptual level. When, um, when they are used, it, I recall Breaking Bad used time lapses a lot and it was awesome. However, this movie put time lapses in to show like it became apparent only towards like the second half of the movie that those time lapses were showing a period of like days or weeks going by, mm -hmm. not like one day. And mm -hmm. yeah. So like her like Charlize's character's descent into madness, it felt like like what are they doing here? Until I put it together, like oh shit! Like the every time they put a time lapse, you you just have to assume like a month has elapsed of her being alone, isolated, and then it made a lot. Then it felt a lot better. But that's an editing problem. Like Whitney said, this movie it didn't convey this passage of time. Like if you if you took it at the how it was edited it's like this movie happened in like two weeks and that's mm -hmm. not true like whole cases right. went by in the course right. of this movie so yeah that wasn't great the editing yeah not so great yeah i i mean they they did show multiple day to night day to night day to night in the time lapses but i don't think that it was clear enough what those day to nights were representing like yeah. is it is it a day is it days are you just you know like is it an artistic choice or are you showing literal like if it gets dark seven times, it's seven right. days. That's of, it. Yeah. Because no one's counting your time lapse like day to night. <laughs> right. Transition. So, so just make no that one's clear. following yeah. with what you're saying. And they they didn't seem to be clear enough to me to be able to follow without paying too much attention of like, how long has this been? You know, time has passed, but you don't know how much. Right. So that's. I, I had an issue with that. Generally, like yeah. when it's done more like again, again, going back to Breaking Bad, like they would it was very clear, like this is happening over the course of eight hours or something like you see the sun up and then the sun is down. Great. I got it. People were doing shit for eight hours. Perfect. In regards to Charlize's character, I, I really disliked that, like her defining thing was like she wanted to have a baby. Like I didn't I don't know what it was about that. like. This is what they gave her to grab onto. Like, she likes this guy. She's willing to, like, 
they're married. She's willing to drop her entire life in this other place. And then they, they focus on the baby thing. I'm just not sure that like, I don't know what that added. For me, I think it's because they set it up with her being the like, they set it up at the very beginning with her being the more driven of the two. Yes. Of her being the one that's like rooting him on in his early cases. And the mom is pissed because she's always working on Sundays and she's on the phone while like Keanu's talking to his mom to say goodbye. And like she's the career power woman. And I think that that they didn't do a good transition from her being the career power woman who's like always on top of things and always driving stuff moving forward to being I just want to be a mom. Right. I don't think that they did that well. And that's not to say that those two things can't coexist, but they didn't. They started out with her being like, she's the engine that's driving this couple. Yeah. And they did not do a good transition into she wants to settle down and raise a family. That's it. Yes, exactly. Well, you elaborate it far better than I could. But that is exactly <laughs> the that that is exactly what I felt when I was watching this. I was like. It was basically on a dime. She mentions mm-hmm. it once in Florida in passing. And when she mentioned it in Florida, it worked because she was just like, we have to have kids so that your mom will get off my back. Right. And which is a legitimate sentiment and also a totally a thing that her character as set up so far would say that yes. made sense. But going from we have to have kids so your mom will stop hating me to we need to have kids right now that's my whole purpose in life didn't that didn't follow at all that didn't track yes and then my only other my only other thing is like a is a twofold like again it all it really all comes back to editing i don't i don't know what this movie wanted to be did it want it to be this courtroom drama like a john grisham novel or did it want to be like this uh like very obviously like a Milton uh, seven circles of hell situation. And Mm -hmm. when we transitioned from one to the other, the movie came to a complete stop for me. Like as soon as I was getting into the courtroom stuff, we would switch over, we would switch gears entirely and it'd be this other thing. And then vice versa. We're like, Oh, I can get into this like creepy. These are some demons. She's having a breakdown. And then we're back in the courtroom. And every time I was like, it, it was jarring. I didn't hate it, but I just feel like, there had to have been a middle ground here again. Mm-hmm. So there's some stuff like the Justice Department story. Like he, they keep mentioning this guy Weaver. Like, oh, I might talk to Weaver. And I'm yeah. like, who? That did nothing at all in the whole grand scheme. You could take 10 minutes out of this movie by dropping that storyline. Nothing gets lost. Literally zero about Weaver is important. Yes. So there were like stuff, just kill that stuff. And, and if you're trying to show sort of like the battle between good and evil, and this guy seeing in Keanu the potential to rat on his employer because he's had his head and everything and he's done so much evil stuff. And like, you may not know, but this guy's done X, Y, Z and you should, you know, work for the state to take them down. Yeah. It needed to be much clearer and much more prominent in the movie that this is, you know, Keanu is the battleground between good and evil. Yeah. He needs to start early and he needs to start talking about all of the terrible stuff that Al Pacino's done when Al Pacino is still this casual guy talking about, you know, like how good he fucks women and, (laughs) you know, whatever. Like before he started to do anything that Keanu has questioned, you need to have someone in there whispering in his ear like this guy. Don't trust him. Right. Talk to me. And initially you have that good guy 
being kind of weaselly and saying, like, turn in your employer who's been nice to you and offered you an incredible job and given you a chance that no one else has gotten. And then you don't trust that good guy until all of a sudden you stop trusting Al Pacino. And that's the whole thing with, like, if that's what you're doing with that character, you need to make it a major theme in the film. If you're not, don't waste the 15 minutes of film time explaining this guy and showing him and have him chase Keanu down just to get killed and then not be relevant anymore. It's that was the dumbest. I, I, I could not fathom. Here's how you solve this problem. Weaver's entire story arc was to deliver the information that said, like, all 20 partners or whatever we were introduced to in the beginning of the movie are essentially like demon generals that have their own law firm set up to do nefarious shit in other countries. Great. I love it. Weaver's entire plot was to get to Keanu to say, like, yeah, in the Middle East, you know, we're smuggling heroin and then down in South America, you know, cartel or whatever. And there's like, oh, every person he named was from those countries. Got it. Got it. Got it. You solve that by like Keanu discovers it by going through some files in the office when he's working late. Perfect. That's just as effective as what happened here. And it takes two minutes. in the file shredding scene, keep the file shredding scene in and have the, the guy be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. These are the 15 things that we're covering up. <laughs> Could have happened there, too. You had that guy. You had Ferris Bueller's principal right there. Ferris Bueller's principal could have been your plot device. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dies. And, and then it still works. Everything. Oh, OK. Yeah, that was it. I the Weaver stuff. I was like that. Sometimes a story bit jumps out of me. I'm like that had so much buildup for absolutely nothing. So that was a thread mm-hmm. they could delete. And then finally, mm-hmm. I, I can't believe, I don't know if the two of you remembered that this was a story about creating the Antichrist. I completely forgot about that part. And when they said it yeah. at the end, I was like, what the actual fuck is going on so here? That's, like I said, that's the only part I remember. That's I what I thought this whole that. movie was about. I was two hours into this movie being like, when are we going to get to the plot point? <laughs> and then yeah. it turns out it was like a thing that they threw in at the very end. But that's... Everything that I remember is like that last scene in Al Pacino's office about yeah. this whole movie. And I didn't remember any of the rest of it. Unbelievable. I, th- I thought, wouldn't Keanu already be the Antichrist? No, they're, they're, the they're all half children. Right. That was the whole oh, thing. It's like he's got to get one kid blonde. to mate with another kid mm. to full get the Antichrist. Bore. Got mm-hmm. it. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I, I need to read up on Antichrist creation. <laughs> Right. I didn't know that's how that was created either. I I, I mean, they might I be playing fast and loose with the rules yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> I think they might have been playing fast and loose with the rules. So, yeah. But, all right. I'll, you know, fine. If Satan says so, I'll buy it. Other than that, I I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. It wasn't, it was way too long. But It was very middle of the road for me. There was stuff that I liked. There was stuff that I didn't like. There was stuff that was very well made and stuff that wasn't well made at all and, and could easily have been bypassed. There's, I yeah. feel like it was very hit and miss, but overall solid. Yeah. I feel like it definitely was carried on the performances of Charlize Theron and, and Al Pacino. Yeah. I think that, like, I'm very middle of the road with this movie. <laughs> Which is interesting because I was so convinced that I was either going to really like it or really hate it. And it's neither. I'm like, meh. (laughs) Right. "Ah, Meh. I I don't know. I don't I don't know if I spoke about it just very briefly. I thought Keanu was fine in this. He was. Mm -hmm. It's always 
for me, it's tough when you're like Charlize Theron. This was clearly a, an early movie for her. And now Pacino has been doing this for a long, long time. And they were both like juggernauts in this movie. But I agree with mm-hmm. both of you. Like when he was mad uh, in a couple of the things, I was like, oh, I, yeah, it's pretty great. And then when mm-hmm. he was sad uh, at a, in the hosp- mental hospital, I was like, oh, that was actually really good, too. And then mm-hmm. everything else was like, you know, you pay attention to the accent going in and out. And you're like, I don't know what to do. It's fine. Yeah. You should have just spoken like he speaks and it would have been OK with me. I don't care. Yep. 100%. You could have just had Charlize with the Southern accent and not have... I mean, he's from Florida. It's not even like we're talking, like, South... We're not talking Georgia. Maybe he's panhandle, but even still, like, I, it just... The Southern accent didn't <laughs> need to be there because you're from Florida. Hmm. Florida is one of those places where half of it sounds like California and then the other half sounds like the South. And so you very easily could have just said, he doesn't have one. He's one of those people. He just came out okay. Florida man. Yeah, he's um, transplant. <laughs> right. There's any number of ways we could explain away giving this man an accent. And yet, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> is it time now, though? Oh. Ooh. I'm so excited. Let me play is the it- theme song first, and then I got some something, something to announce. Here we go. Okay. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Pop Quiz Assholes, our very own Quizzo show, where the host, in this case, Whitney, is going to mm-hmm. ask Evan and I each three questions worth a point. If one of us gets it wrong, the other player has a chance to steal. And the host, in this case, Whitney, can add some bonus questions. I assume trivia was probably okay for this movie, right? Like, There's not- quite a bit of trivia. Yeah, nice. I had I had a lot to, to go through. Um, yeah, there was, there was a bit out there. Awesome. Sure. The current scores are as follows. So Whitney has 46, Ev has 24, and I have 27. So... Mm-hmm. This is really just the time where Evan and I will both get questions wrong and the points will not change too much. So, Redemption. (laughs) Redemption. Or F could overtake me. I don't know. It's fine. The special announcement is that I have new sounds for when we get something right or wrong. So this, and they're from this movie. So it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. So I did specifically put down in my notes the lose, I don't lose, I win, I Specifically call out the interstellar favorite. Yes. It's, Pop quiz asshole. It's, it's going to be I great. was very excited when he did that. I was like, oh, I know that. That's I, from the game. I didn't even, I mean, I knew it was all leading up to that. I knew that line was from this movie and I still didn't see it coming. Like, he's like, I gotta yeah. take the loss or whatever, whatever he says. He's like, lose. Yeah. So good. So, so good. All right. Evan. Are you ready? Yeah. How many times did Al Pacino turn down this role? <laughs> oh. Two? <laughs> what? Five? Or zero? Um, there's no way for me to know this. So, <laughs> if I'm Al Pacino and somebody's like, I want you to play Satan, I'm going to be like, well, obviously. So, I'm going with zero. Wrong answer. Oh, come on. Andrew, would you um, like to steal? I would like to steal. 
I'm going to say two times. Wrong answer. What? <laughs> he turned this roll down five times before accepting it. That is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That is persistence on mm-hmm. account of the casting. Well, it wasn't until a script rewrite by someone other than the writer of the script that Al Pacino said yes. Okay. Okay. I thought that was very interesting, though, because I would have assumed, like Evan, that he would have said, hell yeah, I'll be the devil. Sign me up. Where do I, you know, tell me when to show yeah. up and I'll be there. Yeah. And uh, the fact that he turned it down five times before saying yes, the sixth time he was asked to do it, he said, OK, whatever. They just wore him down. They were like, all right, fine. Yeah. It's like this guy directed an officer and a gentleman. Do you not want to work with this guy? All right. <laughs> fine. Yeah. All right. All right, Andrew. Here we go. The boxing match that that Keanu and Al Pacino attend was not a staged bout, but was in fact a legitimate world championship boxing match. Wow. Who was competing? (laughs) A, Roy Jones Jr. versus Bryant Brannon. B, Riddick Bowe versus Bruce Selden. Or C, Frank Bruno versus Lennox Lewis. (laughs) I don't know jack shit about boxing at all. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with, uh, A. Yes! 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 Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. That's our correct sound. I love that. That's a heck of a guess. I don't know anything about boxing either. I just had to pull all of those names. Just came out of a list of world championship heavyweight winners. Wow. Of different years. Because I was like, I don't know shit about shit. I'm right. just going to put some names in there. Uh, but yeah, you're correct. Roy Jones Jr. versus Brian Brannon was a real match that was really happening at uh, Madison Square Garden. And that is film that they took there. Dang, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. really cool. That's crap. Evan. <laughs> yeah. Charlize Theron wasn't sure about taking a role with nudity. What movie had she just turned down because of the nudity in the role? Is it A, The English Patient? B, From Dusk Till Dawn, or C, Showgirls? That seems too obvious. Or is it just obvious enough? It seems like trickery. (laughs) Um... I will say, for the record, all three of these movies have female nudity in them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's I know for a fact. I verified any answers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or all from the same time frame and all have female nudity. Yeah. I'm going to say Dust Till Dawn. Wrong answer. Sick. Wrong sick, answer. Sick. Sick. Do it, do it a third time. Wrong answer. <laughs> okay, cool. Andrew? All right. I. You know, I'm just, I'm going to go obvious and say Showgirls. Yes. Yes. Come yes! on. <laughs> I don't have to say yes when Keanu says it because it's so much better when he does. <laughs> oh All God. right, Andrew. I was just thinking that she look she in this movie with her hair she looks, looks like Elizabeth Berkeley. Yes, she it's does. Crazy. Yeah, she does. They definitely that was like her look at the time, and that was why she was offered Showgirls, and but she turned it down. All right. So, yeah. Andrew, I'm ready. Which one of the following statements is false? Oh boy. To prepare for his role, Keanu Reeves spent time with defense attorneys in New York City. Or, to prepare for her role in the film, Charlize Theron spent an hour a day 
with a New York City psychotherapist to quote, practice schizophrenia, or to prepare for his role, Al Pacino met with more than 50 priests. Mm. <laughs> These are... One of those is not true. I find that hard to believe um, that any of them is true. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going uh, Al for this one. The Al Pacino. He didn't spend time with priests. Yes. 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 Oh, my God. All right. There we go. Keanu Reeves spent time hanging out with defense attorneys in New York, and Charlize Theron spent an hour a day practicing schizophrenia with a psychotherapist. Those, I mean, the, the lawyer thing checks out. The I guess Charlize, you know, that's, you know, as long as it was done, obviously, with, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't it's, know how I feel about that at yeah. all, but it was a trivia fact that I found very interesting and I couldn't not include it in some way. It's intense. Oh yeah. boy. All right, Evan. Yep. There is a line in this movie that also appears verbatim in another film. The line is, there are more people in law school than there are lawyers on the whole planet. I remember that line. Was the other movie a, St. Elmo's Fire, B, 12 Angry Men, or C, My Cousin Vinny. Oh. I'm not doing that because I know it. Those are just all really good movies. Um, I'm going to go with... Hold on. I'm trying to think about plots. Plots, plots, <laughs> plots, plots. St. Elmo's Fire. Yes! Yes! Oh my god. Oh, feels so good. (laughs) Sorry, Keanu. Celebrate. There you go. All right, Andrew. All right, I'm ready. Current president of the United States, Donald Trump's private residence in Trump Tower was used as a set for one of these scenes. Was it the party scene, John Milton's apartment, or Alex Cullen's apartment? Wow. I know what it is. I know what it is. I'm getting my finger ready to give myself the buzzer. It's that douchebag Cullen's apartment. Yes! 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 I was thinking about it. The gold everywhere. All the gold everywhere. Yep, that's the giveaway. Ass hat. I hate it. (laughs) Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Oh, it's such tacky. I'm not sorry either. It's such tacky bullshit. I hate it it as soon as I saw it. Think whatever you want, but all gold is tacky bullshit. Yeah. Is it the same scene as when they say he was supposed to be at the party? Wait. No, this was this was with no, Coach. No, when Keanu's like, yeah, with Coach. When they're talking to Coach and they're like, hey, did you kill these people? And he's like, you know, the whole oh, show oh, me oh. how you picked up the gun thing, I think, yes. was in the... Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. earlier in the movie, they say, like, Donald Trump was supposed to be here. Yeah, and they 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 do a sick burn, not a not not like a link to the burn word on you know in not Slack, that sick. but it was a pretty good one. Yeah. So all right, now we're at the bonus question. Oh snap! There are four other A-list actors who are considered for the main role in this movie, Keanu Reeves' role. However many you can guess is how many points you can get. <laughs> Just like out of the Just- blue. Just name four other people in this time frame that you think could be in this role. And if you get, name any names right, you get a point. Okay. 
And if okay. you name all four names, you get four points. <laughs> That's impossible, but okay. Wow. We get four. Ch- we get four chances. Then is that what I'm saying? You get four- however many chances you want. I don't want to go all night, but like just start naming some people that you think might have been in this role. Brad Pitt. Yes. Yes. yes! Come yes! on. Tom Cruise. Wrong answer. <laughs> um. um. Richard Gere. Wrong answer. God damn can it. I, can I say Brad Pitt? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was taken. This is a first-come, first-served situation, my man. There's three more names. There's plenty Robert, of room for you. Robert Redford. Wrong it. Robert Downey Jr. Wrong it. Um. Uh. God. Who else? <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Wrong it. Hugo Weaving. Wrong it. No, you guys got to think younger. Who are people? <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Wrong it. Okay. I was going back. I was like Titanic around this time also. Tom Hanks. Wrong it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to wrap this up. Tom Hanks is a wild guess, so I'm just going to cut you guys off now. The I other three All right. are Christian Slater. Oh. Ooh. John Cusack. Damn wild. And Edward Norton. Whoa, I should have known Norton. Damn it. I almost said Norton. Fight Edward Club? Norton was the most obvious one of the four to me because I could totally see Edward Norton in this role. When I yeah. thought about it more, both John Cusack and Christian Slater kind of made sense, too. I sure. never would have guessed Brad Pitt. So that's crazy to me that that's the first one you guessed. I just, because I was like, who's doing stuff? I was like, Well, and Joe this Black. is very meet Joe Black sort yeah, of era, yeah. so. Uh, Fair that play. was awesome. Wow. I wonder. Yeah. It's always interesting. What, what, the, what would that movie have been? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And apparently, I'm sure you saw in the trivia, Keanu gave a portion of his salary to give to Pacino, so he would actually do this thing, or so the legend goes. Yeah. So, would Pacino have been in this if it was Brad Pitt, for instance? I don't know. Yeah, it's always so. No, how far does the rabbit hole go? You know, <laughs> exactly. we'll never know. That was a pop quiz. Oh my goodness, what are the points? Did I keep them correctly? Yeah, I did. All right, Whitney, forty-six, obviously. Mm-hmm. Evan slides up to twenty-five. Now okay. thirty-two for me. So, all right. We're closing gaps with each other here. So there we go. Mm-hmm. It's working out nice. All right. Uh, this is uh, Whitney's movie to explain. So whenever yeah, you're ready. I'm, I'm trying to keep this abbreviated <laughs> and short. Um, I don't know how much of what I wrote down in my notes is necessary and how much is not necessary. But this might take longer than I want it to. It's all very interesting. But yeah, here we go. Do it. So credits open to very dramatic music and either a sunset or a sunrise over clouds. We cut to a young girl, almost in tears, in a courtroom, being questioned uh, about, you know, describing being assaulted. Mm. And it's Keanu Reeves who's doing the questioning. He looks to be the lawyer for the guy who assaulted the young girl. The guy who appears to be the pedophile who assaulted her on trial starts jerking it right there in the courtroom um, while listening to her describe her assault uh, until Keanu Reeves looks at him and is like, what the fuck, man? You gotta stop. And he calls for a recess. Um, They walk out of the courtroom and they like burst out and the guys, the pedophile is following Keanu and 
he's trying to like argue with Keanu and Keanu yells at him to say, you got to stay the hell away from me, man. What if I put you on the stand so you can jerk off in front of the judge? And the guy's like, I paid you to represent me, blah, blah, blah. Keanu storms into the bathroom, slamming doors and like stomping around and whatever. And he bends over the sink to like splash water on his face and cool off. And we learn from a journalist in the bathroom that Keanu has an unblemished string of victories. And this case will be his first loss if he loses it. And Mm -hmm. at this point, it looks like he's definitely going to lose it. So we hear a strange echoey booming noise. And this is kind of our first supernatural sort of inclination, even though absolutely nothing happens. There's just sort of a strange echoey booming noise. And Keanu Reeves looks around the bathroom like, what's that? And then he goes back into the courtroom. Keanu cross-questions the girl and asks if she's had trouble in math class. And that's why she's asked to stay after school. And has she had trouble in any other classes? Has she ever passed notes insulting the teacher in question? Um, Then he submits new evidence way after the discovery period of the note that she passed in class calling the teacher names. Um, So now she's a trouble student who multiple people have asked to stay late after class. And she's actually actively out to get this math teacher. And then the questions are, has she ever thrown a party at her house while her parents were away? Yes. Was this party, uh, has she played the game called, quote, special places? Yes. Is this game sexual in nature? Yes. Was this party the first time that she spoke about the incident with the teacher? Yes. And then Keanu spends a whole narrative about this girl and a teacher who was tough on her and kept her after class, and she used the special places game to blackmail a whole bunch of other children into saying that he had touched them too. And she's like, I didn't want to be the only one. So now everything that she said is in question because she blackmailed a bunch of children to also say that, they, that he touched them. And it doesn't matter anymore whether or not she was actually touched. The whole courtroom is an outroar. Um, the case is Keanu's. He won or it was dismissed or whatever. It was very unclear because the whole courtroom was in an uproar. And they all got to a bar with, you know, Charlize Theron and a couple other lawyers. And they're all doing shots in celebration. And Charlize and Keanu are making out and he's biting her butt on the dance floor. And they get (laughs) very drunk and they dance some more. And then he's going to the bar to get more drinks. And while he's going to the bar, a guy comes up to him and kind of bumps into him and says, we want you to move to New York and do law things for us because you're so good at law things. And he's like, nice prank. I'm not that (laughs) drunk. And the guy's like, here's a list of all the perks and a pile of money. You have to start next week if you want it. And Keanu looks at the offer of how much of a pile of money. And then we cut to a church. Clearly the next day, everyone's singing. Keanu sort of sneaks up to the door and peeks in looking for someone, but does not cross the threshold. Turns out it's his mom, and he's telling her about going to New York and taking this job. And we find out that the mom hates the wife because she does things like work on a Sunday, and New York is the new Babylon. And she tests Keanu, who proves that he's, you know, whatever, by knowing a Bible passage by heart, so she's proud of him. And then he says goodbye to his mom and hugs her. That was like all the mom was there for was to be like, I hate your wife. And also, do you still know your Bible? And Keanu's like, yes, and goodbye. (laughs) Um, So then we cut to 
aerial shots of New York, which are intercut with classical paintings, which we find out the classical paintings are in a New York courthouse. And we go into a courtroom where they're questioning jurors. And Keanu Reeves sort of intuits a lot of personal information about these jurors uh, and which ones to excuse. And one of the lawyers is like, say what now? Either you back down, noob, or I walk. And Keanu Reeves is like, shrug. And then the guy who recruited Keanu in the South is like, okay, so walk then. We're going to excuse the jurors that Keanu says. And this guy's like, whoa. And then he dismisses all the jurors that Keanu (laughs) wants to dismiss. And Al Pacino is lurking in the shadows, looking smug, like across the street from the courthouse. And then there's a time lapse that shows an indeterminate amount of days passing. Yeah. And then Keanu comes home. And he's all pissed off and he's moping around. And Charlize is all, what did they expect? He's clearly guilty of sin. And Keanu's like, psych, they said not guilty in 38 minutes. I'm too good at my job. Ha ha ha. And then they're showing Keanu up to the executive level because this like the gig that he offered was sort of a one time trial thing. But he passed that with flying colors and the jury deliberated for only 38 minutes before saying not guilty. So now he gets a job and they're like up in the C-suite showing him around. He gets mesmerized in this tour by a lady in a red dress shouting in, I think, Italian, but I don't know. She talks like She says like four different languages throughout the movie at different times. So I think the first one is Italian. I definitely know she speaks German at one point. I have no idea how many languages she actually speaks, but he's mesmerized by the lady in the red dress. And then he goes into this sort of inner sanctum thing and he's introduced to Al Pacino for the first time. And he's introduced as the guy who runs this firm. And Al Pacino's like, have we been treating you well? but jumps right into what the hell is your secret? 64 straight convictions, but then all of a sudden one day you're locking up the bad guys, but then you turn around and you're setting the bad guys free and now you have a streak in the other direction. Like what happened and what's your secret? And Keanu's basically just like, I like it better and the pay is better. And they'd ha ha about the pay being better. And then Al Pacino is like, man, I was so, so sure you had a secret. And Keanu says, I could hear juries deliberate from the upstairs men's room in the courthouse. So I snooped on juries for five years and learned how they work, essentially. Um, and then Al Pacino's like, ho, ho, ha, ha, nice. <laughs> Let me take you out onto my roof with an infinity pool. Um, so cool. Yeah. And then while they're out on the roof with the infinity pool and no railings, and it's very sort of like, ooh, do you dare get close enough to the edge? You might fall over. Um, Al Pacino's quizzing him on his family background and all of that sort of thing. Asks questions about his wife and his mom and et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to the point where it's like, are you considering offering me a job? And Al Pacino's like, I know you're talented, but will you fold under the pressure? Will you be able to go to sleep at night? Keanu's like, what about the money? And Al Pacino's (laughs) like, money's the easy part. Don't worry about the money. So then they're touring apartments that they're going to put Keanu and Charlize into. It's a whole building or most of a building owned by the firm. Some of this was questionable logistics to me. I wasn't sure how it went because it was a very big building. But they said only the partners basically get apartments in it. So I don't know if they own all of it or half of it or what. But the tower part is owned by Al Pacino. And then the partners all get a place. 
And the guy who went down to the South to recruit him and his wife live across the hall. And there's a lot of sort of underhanded, you must be something really special. It took us six years to get here. And there's something sort of threatening in the way that they're saying, like, you've only been here one case. What are you doing being in this building? It yeah. took us six years to get here. And it's sort of friendly, sort of threatening seeming. But they give them the tour because they're the across the way neighbors and they're being neighborly. So they leave, and then Keanu asks if Charlize is sure about New York. He isn't going to do it if she doesn't want to. And she says, are you shitting me? We're not going back to Podunk nowhere and struggling our whole lives. We're going to do this New York thing. And then they kiss and say that they love each other. And then we cut to a board meeting where all the top brass of the firm are introducing themselves around a conference table, which we've kind of already mentioned. Um, And then we see Keanu's potential corner office. And they've already expedited his New York bar license. But until then, he's going to, like, consult or something. Yeah. And here's the next case. And they're already handing over the paperwork of the case. And Keanu's like, this case is clearly a loser. Am I being tested? And his assistant is like, everything's a test. So, of course, Keanu has to take it because now he's being challenged and he has a penis and whatever. So... (laughs) (laughs) Then we cut to Charlize Theron, and we've already mentioned this too. She's super overwhelmed looking at like $2,000 pound fabric for the walls or whatever. And Keanu walks in and he's like, we'll take it all, but only at this bargain price. But also I have money to throw around because I'm taking the case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to interview the guy in the Moyes case, Mr. Moyes. And he's at this apartment building and this kid takes him underground and he's like, I don't think you know what I'm talking about. And he's like, no, you want to see Moyes? It's this way. <laughs> so they go into a basement and it's a very church voodoo like thing happening with candles and statues. And then there's organs and jars in a refrigerator. And Mr. Moyes is doing some kind of spell or something with a tongue and nails to like keep the other person quiet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is the losing case. We already know that. Keanu said it's a losing case. But we cut to Keanu Reeves looking over, just pouring over files and files and files of New York City health codes. While Charlize is working with the wife across the hall to pick a paint color. And this friend, quote unquote friend from across the hall, keeps vetoing every color that Charlize Theron picks. Question, and, would would yes. either of you have gone with any of those greens that she was choosing, though? No, I would not have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That, I probably like, wouldn't the... have gone with any of the colors that she ended up choosing. But that's yeah. not the point. The point is, the way that this friend says it <laughs> yes. is very, very judgmental in a way that makes Charlize Theron not only second-guess the paint, but herself. Right. She's like, what are you, crazy? No one would choose that color. Or not with your skin tone. And it's like, what does that mean, bitch? Anyway, the, like I said, the cattiness <laughs> is, is, is thick in this movie. Yeah. So this friend is making Charlize Theron question all of her choices and herself. And eventually the friend says, listen, it's your walls. Do what you want. And we cut back and forth between Keanu pouring over file after file and Charlize being outrageously frustrated by decor and having to build a life without Keanu around and decorate everything while people are judging her. And then we see Charlize sit down with the wife across the hall to have some wine and complain about 
basically needing to make an appointment to see your own husband and you're never going to see him. And Charlize has always worked and she's not working and she's not doing anything. And she's like, I don't know what to do with myself. And the wife across the hall is like, you have three choices from here. You can work, you can play, or you can breed. Those uh, are your only options. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of the real start. We've already seen her start to slip a little bit, Charlize, with the decorating and second guessing every single decision that she makes. But that's kind of the beginning of of the end um, there with that that sort of you can um, work, you can play or you can breed because she yeah. doesn't get a job. She doesn't breed and she doesn't <laughs> end up playing. So we cut to Keanu in court arguing religious beliefs, and he talks about keeping goats and slaughtering an animal on private property in comparison to things like, say, circumcision or believing wine to be blood. And he puts it out there that this is his client is protected under a statute about kosher butchering. And that's why it's not against the New York Health Code. And this judge is like, I know all about this stuff. And Ken is like, I know you know all about this stuff. That's why I'm presenting it in this fashion. The opposing counsel ends up almost coughing himself to death. And he coughs and chokes so hard that he can't speak to defend or protest anything that Keanu's <laughs> saying. So Keanu wins. It's a fun way and to win a court case. That was actually my one of my least favorite parts about the movie because it could just be Keanu went through all the health codes and he found a thing. Kosher butchering. Okay, great. Religiously protected mandates about certain butchering of certain animals. Sure. If if you can find this, then like Keanu did. He outsmarted it and the judge may not agree, but he can't argue with it. I don't like that what actually ended up winning the case was this opponent choking himself to death almost yeah because that made it seem very much like it's not keanu's skill it's just somebody manipulating things Mm -hmm. and i i kind of wanted it to be one or the other um but then we see al pacino walking with keanu through chinatown and he's like don't get too cocky slip under their radar be underestimated your only weakness as far as i can see is this florida stud routine you have going on Everyone underestimates me. Even women that sleep with me underestimate me as like that's a selling point or something. And then (laughs) Keanu gets home to his apartment and he's like, what happened to the green? I liked the green color. Also, why are you doing construction on this room? And Charlize is all harried and she's like, we're running late and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's going to be there. And also it was supposed to be a nursery, but you have to be home long enough to knock me up. So now I'm thinking law library. So that's why I'm renovating this whole room. Mm-hmm. and laying the guilt trip on him and then they go to this party with the who's who of new york and there's hobnobbing and networking and at this point i looked at the clock and we are more than 40 minutes into the movie and this is still very clearly set up of the story and this is when <laughs> yes. i started to get frustrated because this is literally past the 40 minute mark and they still haven't set in motion the actual plot in my opinion so we're at the party the women end up in one part of the room, bad-mouthing everyone and each other and being snide and whatever. The men are in another part of the room. Al Pacino comes up to introduce himself to the ladies. And he calls the wife across the hall, this, like, friend, not friend, this friend of me. She, he calls her a shark, and she's like, 
oh, you be careful what you say in this very sort of threatening way. And there's this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then Al Pacino says a little discord between Keanu and Charlize. And he's like, what about you? Do you have a family? What's your life about? And she's like, I don't have anything but him. And then there's a fun joke about hating your father. If you know Al Pacino is the devil. Um, <laughs> yes. It doesn't play as a joke if you are watching this for the first time but she says the only thing worse than not having a father is having my father and he's like oh no i get that and it's very funny if you know that he's satan right that's a joke that requires a second watch it does it does um so al pacino is sort of hitting on charlie's over here and then over here keanu's at another part of the party ogling the red dress lady again And Al Pacino and Charlize, we cut back to them, sitting on a couch, talking, and he's like, your hair would look so much better up, but I can't touch you because everyone at this party will think that we're fucking, but I'm right, and you should cut your hair and go back to your natural color. And this is a very good symbol for both men and women about women in turmoil. Everyone knows that, you know, when you doubt yourself or you go through a breakup or whatever, it's a big hair change and then you don't recognize yourself in the mirror and et cetera, et cetera. So obviously the first thing he does to make her doubt herself is you should change everything about your hair. While this is happening, and it's all sort of flirty and sexual in nature. Yeah. So while this is happening, Kiana goes out to the balcony of the party where the red dress lady is smoking. And they make small talk, and she says that the family is a family built, or that the building is a family building. She doesn't live here; she lives downtown. It's a family building, uh, clearly indicating that she's part of the family of Al Pacino. But he doesn't know that yet, and mm. technically, we don't either. I did, <laughs> but that's just because I've seen it before. Yeah. So Charlize is going through the party looking for Keanu because now it's been long enough that she's like, "Where is this guy?" and Keanu's out flirting with the red dress lady and she's the red dress lady is like, is your wife a jealous woman? Do you like to be on top? Et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. Al Pacino walks out on the patio and he says, ah, in front of me, I see the future of this law firm. And then they talk Italian to each other, the red dress lady and Al Pacino. And then the red dress lady goes away and Al Pacino tells Keanu to quietly gather up these couple of guys and get them into his office. And Charlize Theron is still going through the party asking everyone if they've seen him. One of the guys that used to be a client with the company and was billed a lot, like 16,000 hours last year, which is a lot of hours. Yeah. Um, was just charged with murdering his wife and kid and maid, I think they said. The wife is hammered in on a lot. The other two bodies, it's a triple homicide, but the other two bodies aren't mentioned nearly as much, so I wasn't sure if it was wife, kid, and maid. But this is all happening, and Al Pacino wants Keanu Reeves on the case. And the other two lawyers are like, the noob on a case this big? Are you kidding me? They'll bury us. And Keanu is like, they might be right, boss. Let these guys handle it. I'm brand new. And Al Pacino's like, no, you're the one. So Keanu's on the case. And he goes home and Charlize is already there drinking alone in the dark. And she's like, you bailed on me. You left me alone for three hours. And then there's a lot of argument back and forth about how he's abandoning her. And he's like, this is important. It's my new job and my new boss. I had to go up, et cetera, et cetera. They argue. She slams the door, tells him to sleep on the couch. Yep. The next day, they're meeting the client who is coach from coach. (laughs) And... They're like, 
here's what's happening. And he's like, no way, not this new kid. He does the same thing that the lawyers did the night before. And they're like, who do you trust? Because it's New York and you fucked over everyone and you have enemies everywhere and the public is already learning the details of the case and they're all going to be against you. So you need us and you need us right now and you tell us someone else you can trust more than us. And the guy's like, fine. I don't think I know anyone that I trust more than you. Then the wife across the hall, this frenemy, is taking Charlize Theron shopping with another wife of someone else in the firm. And they're getting way drunk on wine. They've already had multiple bottles. Mm -hmm. And they say, if you're not going to have a relationship with your husband, at least have a relationship with his money. And then there's a whole plastic surgery convention, which turns into a forced boob feeling thing. And then the wife across the hall is pulling a dress over her head after forcing Charlize to grab her boobs. And as she's pulling the dress over her head, she has sort of a flash of a demon face over her face for a split second. Mm -hmm. And then you see the hands trail down her body under her skin, like Evan mentioned. Yeah, crazy. So Charlize sees this and she's like, what the fuck? And she's been paranoid about being left alone and she's been starting arguments and she's like i'm doing everything and sort of the the venom that they are dripping into her ears has already taken effect before now but then she sees this sort of demon face thing and she's like shit is happening <laughs> yeah and then we cut to their home their loft their apartment their whatever uh, their classic eight on central park and she's yelling about how she doesn't like it here and something is wrong with these women and something is wrong with these people. And she's so lonely, she's actually looking forward to his mother who hates her coming to visit. And Keanu kind of gaslights her like, listen, you cut your hair and that's a big shock. And then you drank a bunch of wine and now you're overly emotional because you're in shock about your hair and the wine. And then Keanu is like, let's go on vacation. And then she's, they start to do it. Because she's so overwhelmed with him saying, let's get away from here and go on vacation that she's like, let's make love right now. But yeah. all of a sudden, while that's happening, she looks like the red dress lady. And the red dress lady starts to go down on Keanu. But then it's Charlize again. And they move to the floor. And Charlize says, make love to me. But then it's the red dress lady again being very flirty. And he starts to kiss her, like suck her toes and kiss her ankle and whatever. And then Charlize, it's Charlize again. And she's like, what are you doing kissing my feet, you weirdo? <laughs> and then it's the red dress lady. And then with every thrust that Keanu does, it switches back and forth between Charlize and the red dress lady. And Charlize interrupts the sex to say like, whoa, where are you? You're not here. And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm here. And she's like, no, you're not. And then they kind of, that's the end of the sex. Cut to Keanu. In the murder client coach's apartment. This is Donald Trump's apartment. Ugh. And Keanu is questioning the client about the facts and trying to get the facts and story straights. The guy's carrying a gun. And he pulls it on Keanu to, like, threaten Keanu, but then also show him how he picked up the gun in the apartment and how his handprint could be here and here at the same time. And Keanu is like, are you freaking kidding me? You're wanted for three murders. You cannot carry a gun. This yeah. is a deal breaker. Give it to me or I walk. And don't talk to anyone other than me, basically. <laughs> so Keanu takes the gun away. He acquiesces. And then they're back at their apartment, outside their apartment on the sidewalk. And the press are outside. 
and they're taking pictures and asking questions about Coach and his triple murders and whatever, is Keanu and Charlize and Keanu's mother from Florida get out of a car and they walk into the lobby to go into the apartment. And as they walk into the lobby, so do Al Pacino and Red Dress Lady and another young lady from France, apparently. Um, they're all just walking into the, into the lobby from another door at the exact same time. And Al Pacino makes Keanu's mother very uncomfortable. They, and at the time, you, they just sort of insinuate that it's, that she's a God-fearing woman and can sense something is off. Um, yeah, that's what I thought it was, too, because I totally forgot what the hell was the yeah. twist, I guess, at the end here. Yeah. So we just assume at this point that the mother is very uncomfortable because she knows there's something evil about this guy. They get up to a Keanu's apartment floor and Charlize gets off and the mother gets off and they get out of the elevator and start to walk into the apartment. And Al Pacino's like, come up, let's talk about the case you're working on. Keanu's like, oh, that's a long discussion. And and Al Pacino's kind of like, hey, 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 look at these biddies. Come up with me to my apartment. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and Charlize is standing in the doorway like, you better not go up there. And Keanu says, no, we'll talk another time. And then Charlize immediately starts yelling at him, like, is that what you're doing when you're working late? Because the women start making out and groping in the elevator. And you don't necessarily know that Charlize can see that from where she's standing at in the doorframe. But clearly she can because she's like, oh. That's working late, is it? Blah. Yeah. And then they're fighting. But then the next day, Keanu Reeves' mom is like, I gotta go. I don't feel right. This is wrong. I miss church. Also, you gotta take better care of your wife. I'll take her back to Florida with me if that's what you want. And Keanu's like, you do what you want. Go, stay, do whatever. But this is home. We live here now. Don't take my wife to Florida. If you care that much about her, stay here. Then we cut to Keanu working late, interviewing people about the case. It's the assistant for coach. And he sees someone walking past in the office, but it's late. So he's like, what are they doing? And he follows them and he sees a bunch of people in a room shredding a massive amount of papers. And then the, the Ferris Bueller's principal is like... <laughs> You didn't see anything, especially if Weaver from the Justice Department asks you. And Keanu is like, what? Okay, fine. Right. Just like the rest of us. What? All right, fine. Exactly. And then Al Pacino's <laughs> walking by and he's got tickets in his hand, basically. And he's like, come with me to see this fight at the garden. And Keanu's like, I got to call my wife and let her know. And Al Pacino's like, call her on the way. Then they're in the subway. And Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino are talking and I don't remember what they were talking about, but it wasn't important because there's two people looking at them and Al Pacino's looking back at these two people. And these guys are like, who are you looking at? Who do you think you are? Get off my train car. And then they pull a box cutter to threaten Al Pacino. And Keanu Reeves kind of hugs Al Pacino to sort of like protect him from the box cutter. But Al Pacino just starts speaking in Spanish. And he's like, hey, your wife's doing drugs and cheating on you right now on your special green bedspread and you better go now if you want to catch them because if you don't leave now you won't catch them yeah cheating so they run off and keanu's like what's that you spoke spanish i didn't know you spoke spanish and also what did you say to them to make them run away anyway <laughs> then we're at the fight they're having a great time at the fight 
Then they're at a restaurant or a bar. They didn't make it clear which. It does have a kitchen, so I'm assuming like a restaurant slash bar. But there's yeah. live music and dancing. Um, and Keanu Reeves is in the kitchen on the phone arguing with his wife. And he's smoking his first cigarette in months. Seven months. And she's pissed because he's out late and he didn't call before now. And he's smoking his first cigarette, which apparently he quit seven months ago. And he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I am smoking a cigarette. It's just mm-hmm. one in seven months. And this is the beginning of a lot of stuff you can tell with the cigarette smoking and whatever. Anyway. Keanu Reeves basically says, this guy owns the company. He pays our bills. I can't say no. Then he goes back to the table and Al Pacino has a table full of women, multiple women. And he introduces them to Keanu. And then one of the girls gets under the table and starts giving him head right there at the table while he makes full unbroken eye contact with Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Pretty boss move. And uh, is it though? There's there's so much of this movie is just Al Pacino looking at the camera and laughing ominously. And I loved Mm -hmm. it. That was a weird moment. Truly, truly bizarre. But. Yeah, like, you know. there's a lot of times where he's unblinkingly, like, looking at the camera and laughing in a creepy way that I totally am fine with. While he's getting head under the table was <laughs> too weird for me. <laughs> um, Because Keanu Reeves doesn't say or do anything. He's right. just like, what? This is a public place? And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. I get head in a public place. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So then Charlize Theron is in the apartment and she's looking very pale and she sort of sees herself wake up in like a dream or something. This wasn't very clear. She's laying on the couch and she wakes up and she gets up and she hears something. But then she's laying on the couch again and wakes up and sees herself walking out of the room. So I'm not exactly sure how all of this went down. But anyway, one way or another, she's very pale. You're not sure if she's hungover or not, because we've seen her now drinking a couple of times. But um, she... She is kind of in a dream or something and she hears something and she grabs a knife and something clatters in another room and then a phone gets knocked off the hook and you hear that sort of like dial tone. And then she walks down like two more doors down the hallway and she's in a bedroom and in the bedroom there's a baby sitting on the floor and she drops the knife and she's like, baby, how did you get here? Where's your mommy? And then she's like, what are you playing with? And we cut to what the baby has in its hands and its entrails. Yeah. And then we cut to Charlize Theron, who is bleeding through her nightgown. Then we cut to Keanu being home and he's got her nightgown in his hands and it doesn't have blood on it. And she's like, he's like, you didn't bleed. It was just a dream. And she says, you're going to leave me now. And she's rocking back and forth and she's acting very paranoid. And she's like, they took my ovaries. I'm telling you, I can't have children. And then he's like, what are you talking about? And then she says that she was at the doctor yesterday and that's when he told her that she can't have children. But she said, they took my ovaries many times before now. So even if the doctor did tell her yesterday that she can't have children, it's laced with a lot of other things that seem potentially crazy. So he's just like trying to calm her down and none of it is real to him. Yeah. She's convinced Keanu's going to leave her because she can't bear his children. She knows him and she knows what he will put up with and not put up with. And apparently not having his children isn't one of the things he'll put up with. 
She's dreamt mm-hmm. about this. And it's these monsters that are doing it. Then Keanu gets bad news about the case. And he has to go to work. And the murdered wife had told her friend at lunch the day before she was killed that she had proof he was sleeping around on her, which makes the prenup null and void, which gives him motive. So everything is changed and everything is we're on a different playing field now. And Keanu's like, you have to tell me why you wouldn't be at the scene of the murder, because now you look like you were at the scene of the murder. And the guy says, I was sticking it to my assistant. And the alibi is that he was sleeping with his assistant while his wife was being murdered. Mm-hmm. Keanu's on the phone getting sleeping pills or something for his wife. And Al Pacino's like, I'm taking you off the case. You got to take care of your wife. She's sick. And Keanu says, I can't just consult on this. I worked on it. I put together a great jury. I got to work this case. And Al Pacino says, your wife has to come first. And Keanu's like, if I get off this case and spend time with her and she gets better, I'll resent her for it. I got to win this case and then put all my energy into her afterwards in order to not resent her forever. And Al Pacino's like, shrug. (laughs) So then we're in the courtroom and... Keanu has to convince the jury with his opening statement that while his client may be a terrible person who's done a bunch of shitty stuff, that doesn't mean he's a murderer. And then coach like shoves him into a closet and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? They're all going to hate me. And Keanu's like, if they hate you and believe that you're stooping your secretary, then you're not home murdering your wife. So I'm trying to get them to hate you on purpose because then they'll think you're the kind of sleazy guy who sleeps with the secretary this is all for a reason. And the guy's yeah. like, why didn't you just say so? And Keanu was like, it had to feel organic. <laughs> right. It's method. Come on. So then Keanu Reeves gets congratulated on the street by the director of the firm, who is Ferris Bueller's principal. And he's like, how are you on the firm's charter? Your name looks like it's been there for years. You think you're partner? You can just sweep in here and be partner this quickly? Blah, blah, blah. You're some hotshot. I still run this company. Don't you forget it. And then Keanu immediately turns tail and talks to Al Pacino and, like, just stool pigeons everything that this guy just said to him on the sidewalk. Yep. And the guy's out running. So Al Pacino says, let, he calls his secretary or whatever and says, bring that guy in here. He's out running, so you may have to page him. And we cut between. Al Pacino ranting about the guy and everything that he's done for him and everything that he's done for people in general and the nature of humanity and et cetera, et cetera. And we cut between Al Pacino ranting and the guy running through Central Park and being chased by people running who maybe can turn invisible and are maybe Mm. chasing him down, but maybe they're also just runners in Central Park. And then all of a sudden they're definitely invisible and they're definitely chasing him down. Somehow Charlize Theron looks out of the window of her building and it looks like she can see this guy that Al Pacino's ranting about, about to get beat to death by homeless men in Central Park. Yeah. They don't ever make that sightline super clear or anything like that. I know I have not been in many park view apartments on Central Park, but I do know enough to know that there's a lot of trees obscuring the the reservoir and where people run around. (laughs) I don't know exactly if she's just knows something's happening out there, if this is a psychic thing or if she's actually seeing it happen. But she sees, in one way or another, she sees him get beat to death. Yeah. 
So days pass, again, an indeterminate amount based on time-lapse day-to-night stuff. And we're in the office questioning Coach's assistant and prepping her to be cross-examined. And the assistant snaps at Keanu. And Keanu storms out of the office. He, like, pushes her too far. She doesn't know what his penis looks like. He's like, all of this is falling apart. Storms out of the office, and he sees everybody in the office crying. And they all just found out that Ferris Bueller's principal was killed while he was out running. And Keanu's like, while he was out running, that's when I saw him. And he makes eye contact with El Pacino across the office. And clearly, Keanu Reeves is like, out running, huh? What a coincidence. And he says that with his eyes to Al Pacino. And Al Pacino shrugs with his eyes and then kind of walks away. Yeah. And he thinks that the assistant is lying to protect her boss. And the client really did kill those people. And he's not sure he can take the case. And Al Pacino's like, go with your gut. I'll back you either way. Maybe this is your time to lose. You think I haven't lost before? Also... This is that pressure thing we talked about earlier, remember? You got to get it together. Figure it out. And of course, the second that Al Pacino mentions, maybe this is your time to lose, Keanu Reeves is like, fuck you. (laughs) I have a penis. You can't challenge me. So we're back in the courtroom. And Keanu Reeves looks troubled. And he looks at the jury. And then he looks at Al Pacino. And he looks at the judge. And the judge is like, "Uh, are you going to do this thing or not? And Keanu Reeves leaves over to the microphone, but then he hesitates again. And the judge is like, what's happening? And then we don't know if Keanu Reeves is going to, like, recuse himself or what. But then he ends up calling the assistant to the stand. Then we cut to the press stampeding. as Al Pacino and Keanu. And the client all walk out. Coach, all walk out of the courthouse, clearly having gotten away with literal murder. And Keanu Reeves gets to his building. As he's walking up, the door guy says, she didn't look good. We tried to stop her, but she just kept going. Keanu Reeves is like, where is she? Immediately knowing who they were talking about because she hasn't looked good in weeks. And they say she went to the church. So she's in the church pew, wrapped up in a blanket, rocking back and forth. And she says, she's crying. She says, he came in while you weren't there and I couldn't stop him. And he was there all afternoon. Keanu's like, did he hurt you? And she says, yes. Uh, Part of me thinks maybe I wanted him to, but also I couldn't stop him. I was raped. Essentially, the word rape was never used, but that's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And Keanu is like, who? And she says, Al Pacino. And Keanu's like, he was in the courtroom in my presence all afternoon. I saw him all afternoon. And Charlize is like, you have to believe me. And then she starts kind of screaming and yelling and feels crazy. And she stands up and she throws off the blanket and she's in the church naked and covered in cuts and bruises head to toe. Yeah. Keanu Reeves wraps her in a blanket and he's like, what are we going to do? And then he checks her into a hospital and she's like, all of this is happening because of the money you made knowing all of those people were guilty. We both knew it and we kept spending it. And this blood money is why this is happening. Please don't do this. Please don't check me in. Please take me home. And he checks her in anyway. Now we're back at the church. And this is for a funeral. This is for the funeral of Ferris Bueller's principal. And it looks like the client that murdered his wife was maybe sleeping with his stepdaughter. And then... The wife from across the hall and the red dress lady sandwich Keanu Reeves between them in a pew and start, I don't know, talking shit about people and wearing dresses too low cut for a funeral and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. 
and he's looking around the the audience and he watches coach caress his stepdaughter's back and realizes really realizes what's happening and then he starts looking around at everyone else in the church and he sees in the crowd the pedophile that he got off and he can't take it anymore and he gets up and he walks out of the church al pacino is in the church standing in the back and sees him walk out Keanu gets accosted outside of the church by Weaver from the Justice Department. Now, we've kind of already talked about this scene, but Keanu runs off. The Justice Department guy keeps chasing him and peppering him with questions. And basically, the only reason for the scene that we can tell is to tell Keanu that Keanu has no idea how far this goes or how many pots of evil he has had his hand in, how deep this goes. Your boss is a bad guy. We cut back to Al Pacino who's in the church still, and he's standing near the holy water fountain, and he's about to dip his finger in. He's got, like, his hand in a fist except for his pointer finger, which is about to go into the water. And we cut back to the Justice Department guy saying, I know about you, you know, that pedophile you got off? They found him yesterday with the body of a 10-year-old in the trunk of his car. And right as he says that, Al Pacino sticks his finger in the holy water, and it starts to boil. And the Justice Department guy gets smack hit with a car at the exact same time, and he is thoroughly deaded. Very, very dead. No question. Yes. Then Keanu goes to the hospital where Charlize Theron is, and his mom is there reading Charlize Theron the Bible. And his mom says, are you okay? And Keanu's like, I don't know. And his mom pulls him out of the room because Keanu's assistant who works for Al Pacino is there. And she's like, I knew I shouldn't have left. I'll never forgive myself for leaving New York and going back to Florida without telling you this. I should have told you the truth. Then she starts to tell this story about... Your father was a waiter in a restaurant here in New York, and I was in New York when I was 16. And Keanu's like, stop right now. This is not the time to talk about my biological father. My whole life is falling apart. Blah, blah, blah. Stop it. And his mom quotes the same sheep amongst the wolves quote that Al Pacino used earlier in the movie, insinuating that Al Pacino is Keanu Reeves' father. Mm -hmm. But not outright saying it yet. Charlize Theron is in her room with Keanu's assistant who's gives her a mirror and is like, oh, see how pretty you are. And she's like playing with her hair to soothe her and et cetera, et cetera. But then in the mirror, Charlize Theron sees a demon face on the assistant and she freaks out and she breaks the mirror and shoves the assistant out of the way and bars herself in her room. And she's pacing and muttering. She grabs some broken glass and Keanu is on the other side of the door and he can't get in because she blocked the door with the chair And he's trying to stop her and he's trying to break through the security glass, which has wire in it. So he can't. He's throwing himself against the door. She looks at him and whispers, I love you. And then she slits her own throat with the broken mirror shard. And it's very visceral. It's a very good scene. Yeah. So then Keanu's like, somebody has to help her, blah, blah, blah. A nurse comes in. She's like, you got to let her go if I'm going to help her. But it's clear that Shirley Theron is dead. The then Keanu goes out to the waiting room, either in the hospital, like the mental hospital or the ER. They don't make it clear which, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's got her blood all over him. And he's like, now you have to finish the story. And his mom's like, he talked to me and no one ever talked to me. I was this mousy little person that no one ever talked to. He knew every word of the Bible by heart. I didn't have the heart to tell you, but I knew the minute I saw him in the elevator. He tracked you down. He found you somehow. Al Pacino is your father. And Keanu Reeves is like, nope. 
He's always been here watching. All of a sudden, Keanu knows Al Pacino <laughs> is the devil and has been watching him. Um, they don't really explain how he knows that because the mom is still like, your father found you and recruited you to come to New York to work in his firm. And, and Keanu is like, no, I know what's happening. And then he's like, I have to go. You have to go home. And then he walks out. And the assistant, his assistant, is outside the building. And she says, look at you. You look terrified. He'll take away that fear. He's waiting for you. And that's one of my favorite line deliveries in the whole movie. When she says that. That's really great. And then then Keanu Reeves walks down the streets of New York totally alone, completely empty of cars and people. And it's very, very creepy. It's all abandoned. There's some, like, trash blowing in the breeze a little bit but you've never never seen new york like even if you see new york with no people you don't see it with no cars on the sides of the streets or anything yeah that so, was i got chills when i saw that shot because yeah, yeah, i was like holy shit how much did it cost to do that <laughs> right that's the thing it's like to not even have cars parked on the sidewalk or taxi somewhere even if you've shut down traffic or whatever all of the streets are completely empty yeah, uh, for and blocks for, and blocks and blocks. Yeah, it's wild. I looked. I was like, maybe in the distance. No, it's the whole length of whatever street that is. It's yeah. nuts. So, very cool shot where Keanu Reeves is more alone than anyone has ever been because <laughs> no one's ever been that alone in New York. And he goes to Al Pacino's apartment, and Al Pacino says, "You were right. I was watching." but I'm no puppeteer. I don't make things happen. Free will is needed. I set the stage, but you pulled your own strings. And Keanu says, what did you do to my wife? And Al Pacino says, on a scale of one to 10, what we did was a seven. And then Keanu Reeves shoots him a bunch of times. (laughs) And Al Pacino gets excited. He's like, yeah, that's it. That's the last thing to go. Oh, so he's like, I'm a little more than your father. And Keanu says, what are you? And Al Pacino says, I have so many names. And Keanu asks, Satan? And Al Pacino's like, call me dad. <laughs> why, did he, why did he go around? I don't know why he went I around. Yeah, it was funny. Anyway, though. Keanu then says, my wife knew all along and you killed her. Al Pacino says, you literally could have saved your wife at any point in time by giving her a little attention. I told mm-hmm. you to stop and take care of your wife. You can't pin this on me. You didn't take care of your wife. And Keanu Reeves is like, you played me. You set it up that way. And Al Pacino's like, you're the one who put the lying assistant on the stand. You got off the murderer. You didn't pay attention to your wife. You set yourself up. You played yourself. I told you maybe it was time to lose. And Keanu Keanu Reeves shuts a line that everyone will know from the (laughs) Interstellar favorite game about not losing, only winning. And Al Pacino says, that's it. Vanity. It's my favorite sin. Because Keanu Reeves is like, I don't lose. I only win. And Al Pacino's like, that's what did you win, kiddo. And then he says, I didn't make it easy, but you've come so far. I didn't make it easy on you or your sister. Well, half sister. And then we reveal that it's Red Dress Lady. And this girl that he's been ogling and fantasizing about the whole movie is his half sister. (laughs) And then the devil slash Al Pacino says, I've had so many children and they've all been disappointments except for the two of you. Just set it all down. Get it off your conscience. Put the weight down. Who are you carrying it for? God? 
God gives you all this stuff and then he sets the rules in opposition of everything he just gave you. He's a jokester. Let me give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you this extraordinary gift and then what does he do? I swear for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel. He sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> and while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord. Worship that never. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, is that it? Why not? I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. I've nurtured every sensation man has been inspired to have. I cared about what he wanted and I never judged him. Why? Because I never rejected him in spite of all his imperfections. I'm a fan of man! I'm a humanist. Maybe the last humanist. And it's a very long rant that, and I know from experience from trying to type it all out, when you look at it, does not make sense. Right. It sounds good. It all sounds good. And Al Pacino delivers it with, you know, signature Al Pacino gusto. And he yeah. chews up the scenery like no one else can. So he really sells it. And then Keanu's like, you must want me pretty bad. What do you want? And Al Pacino is like, take control of my company and have sex with your sister because the child that you two have will rule over everything. And Keanu's like, you want me to create the Antichrist? <laughs> and Al Pacino's like, yeah, man. That's it. And Keanu's like, you can't do this without me. I need to volunteer. And Al Pacino says, free will is a bitch. That's when we learn the plot. <laughs> <laughs> right. At two hours and uh -huh. 23 minutes out of two exactly. hours and 30. <laughs> and Keanu says, what are you offering? And Al Pacino's like, well, are we negotiating? And Keanu says, always. And that calls back to very earlier on when Al Pacino's offering Keanu Reeves a job for the first time. That's yeah. the exact conversation they had, but in reverse. And so Al Pacino says, well, let's start with bliss. And then all the statues engraved in the marble behind him start caressing one another and reaching out of the marble and doing it. And Al Pacino talks about bliss. And then he offers power in the courtroom. And Ken is like, I already have that. And he's like, not like this, you don't. Mm. And then Frank Sinatra starts playing. And his sister <laughs> dances with him. Like a yeah. slow dance. And then Keanu Reeves steps back and he's like, why the law, though? And Al Pacino's like, because it's a backstage pass to everything in the world, lawyers today are what priests were back in the day. And Keanu Reeves smirks and says, in the Bible, you lose. We lose, Dad. And then Al Pacino says, we're going to write a new book, The Old One's Biased, and it starts today. Yeah. And then the sister says, just look at me. Don't focus on anything else. Just look at me. And then she gets naked and she poses like Jesus on the cross and says, who am I? Like, that's cute and funny. And then Keanu walks over and kisses her and says, I've wanted you since the first time I saw you. As all of the marble statues start moaning and going at it harder than they were before. Yeah. 
And then Keanu Reeves is making out with his sister as Al Pacino talks about something in Latin and then virtue in the loins. And then Keanu looks up and says, what about love? And Al Pacino's like, overrated chemicals. It's the same thing as eating a bunch of chocolate. You don't need love. This is just as good. It's time to step up and take what's yours, son. And Keanu Reeves is like, you're right. It is free will, right? And then he pulls out the pistol that he took off coach. And he shoots himself in the head. Al Pacino bursts into flames of rage. And the sister (laughs) (laughs) withers into a mummy on the floor because of Al Pacino's flame rage. (laughs) And then Al Pacino morphs into an angel that looks like Keanu with wings. I wasn't sure about that, but that's what happened. And he shouts, no! And then we kind of swoosh away from the Keanu angel shouting no. And bam, Keanu comes to in the bathroom of the courthouse from the very beginning of the movie, right before he gets the pedophile off. And he finishes splashing his face with water and he puts his wedding ring on just like he did in the very first part of the movie. And he walks back into the courtroom. And he sees Charlize Theron and he walks over and he kisses her and she says, are you all right? And he says, I think I am now. And then the judge comes back in after the recess. And Keanu has to cross-examine the young girl witness all over again, just like before. And he looks, he gets up, he stands up like he's about to, but then he pauses. And he says, I can no longer represent this client. I need to be replaced as counsel. And the judge is like, outrageous. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And Charlize Theron comes over and she's like, what are you doing? And he says, the right thing, I hope. And then we hear he might be disbarred for doing what he's doing. Blah, blah, blah. He walks out. Everyone's pissed off. But Charlize is like along for the ride. And he's like, I think I'm doing the right thing. And there's the journalist who was talking to him in the bathroom before. And he's like, there needs to be a story about this. The lawyer who got a conscience. This is going to be huge. You're going to be a star. Everyone needs to read about this. And Keanu Reeves says, looks at him and says, call me in the morning. And pulls Charlize out of there. But then we cut back to the reporter who has morphed into Al Pacino and he says, vanity, my favorite sin. And then the movie is over. (laughs) I tried to make that as concise as I could. Sorry, guys. You did it. You did uh, uh, an admirable job and you still hit on everything. Really, (laughs) that was. I I tried to get every major note. Yeah, it was good. It was great. The, that line, that final line is delivered directly to the camera, like yes. in t- to Fourth you. Fourth wall breaking. <laughs> so are we to believe that once again, Keanu is in this loop that will just never end until he relents? Like, is that is that how that's going to go for the rest of his life? Well, the thing is, and we'll see, we'll see what happens, but... Going into this loop with the knowledge that the previous loop, like the devil was out to get him. Yeah. And he did this knowing that he was trying to do the right thing. He may not get out of everything, every trap the devil puts in his way. But I think that we are kind of led to believe that he is going to keep getting pulled into traps, but maybe now know enough to not step into them. Yeah, that's that's a that's a banana's life. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I mean, we certainly aren't going to believe that the devil's just like, okay, cool. The only person that can bring about <laughs> the Antichrist is, is, you know, whatever. He said no, so I'm moving on. Right. And 
and he says like i don't you know i don't i don't pull this i'm not a puppet master it's like but no clearly you are you're like literally manifesting futures and then when they don't work you're like i'll do over i don't know it's fine yeah but he's he's they still have to make the choice it's true you can set up a lot of things people have to make the choice and i think that that's what he's he said he never once said that he didn't set everything up. He was like, That's I set true. the stage, but you pulled you your own the, strings. Yeah. The important thing, the, the most important takeaway is that in this new timeline, Weaver is still alive. So. Oh, yeah, that is the most important <laughs> part. <laughs> oh, all right. Well done, Whitney. I enjoyed that movie. Let's see. Do you do either of you recommend that film as something? as something to watch yeah yeah i would absolutely recommend it i don't think so okay i don't think so i think overall i don't i think that it it was very run of the mill for me as far as like there were parts that i really liked parts i didn't like um but i feel like it kind of ended up in a you know 2.5 out of 5 kind of a thing where it's like, not bad, it's not good. There were parts that I liked, parts I didn't like. I think I couldn't give it a good score, but I couldn't give it a terrible score. Um, But I think overall I would not recommend it. Okay. I'm going to give it a recommend. And that's mostly based on the performances of Al Pacino and Charlize Theron. And I want to be clear here that I've seen a pretty fair amount of Al Pacino movies. Guy's done a lot of stuff. I I would put this like probably dead center mm-hmm. of his catalog. It's not like uh an outstanding performance, but he does like a lot with the script that he's given. So yeah. and Charlize is is really, really good as well. So uh it's gonna be a recommend for me. So now this will be interesting. Where is this going on your ranking? Yeah, I actually uh struggled with this. Get out of my face. I did. I don't know. I can't. I cannot with you, Evan. Hold on. I did, I'm not I'm, at the list. I'm Hold so on. glad to hear I that. Cannot. She oh. cannot. Wait a minute. Hold on. All right. Evan, what are you doing? <laughs> no, get out of my face. What? <laughs> listeners, I liked we, it. Listeners, we have the lists. Uh, we could see each other's lists as we're doing this here. And I got to be honest with you. I. Would never have guessed where Evan. Evan, please tell the where. Where did you put this on your list? Um, is it really that? Is it really that shocking? Yes. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna break is... the. I'm not gonna break it. You got it. You have to announce where it's going. You gotta say. You have to tell the people with your own words. <laughs> Use your words. Where you have put this. You know, own this up to why, it. This own, is why we have the reckoning. this mistake. <laughs> you said you'll never reckon. You, you said did that. say you'll never reckon. Well, with all this pressure. All right. Well, I don't know. Right. Stick okay. to your guns, man. If you have an opinion, you have to believe me, in that opinion. Let me be my own person. If you crumble under pressure, then you don't really think that that's true. <laughs> it's, but tell the people where you've put this. It is third. That His is... list goes speed, <laughs> point break, the devil's advocate. Chain reaction, yes, it does. much ado about nothing. What is it going sure on? It sure does. 
Oh boy. Boy, that is a book wild top five you've got yourself there, Evan. You know, yeah. I'm just trying to I'm trying to represent the the people, you know. <laughs> I don't I know any not... people that this list is representative of, but sure. You're representing yourself. I'm gonna run this. I wanna run (laughs) I gotta run this through the big data machine and see how often these the audience scores match up with Evan's rating. Because I'd be curious to see that. It might actually because this got 80% from the audience. It did. It did. It went over very well with the audience. It's definitely top five material at 80%. So Yeah. How about that? It (laughs) I'm trying to help, man. I'm just trying to all right. Whitney. Where are you putting this? I have it at 18 between Bill and Ted's bogus journey and I love you to death. (laughs) Okay, so Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Below Bill and Ted's bogus journey, above I love you to death. Okay, so it's just like, just a smidge above the pizza place uh, film. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be, this movie just made my top 10 at 10. Uh, and this is on, again, just the strength of not necessarily Keanu's performance, just just the, the other the people surrounding him, essentially. I put it at 10 as an honorary place, knowing that next week is happening and it will no longer be in my top 10. So yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. It has been logged as mm. such. Evan, you kill me. <laughs> I do what I want. I mean, you, you keep me on my toes. I will say that. <laughs> I, I have never been less sure about what a person will rank something as. And it's, it's never based on your review. It's always so it's arbitrary true. compared to whether or not you recommend it and, and what your review overall is. Um, I will never put money down ever on a guess of Evan's rankings because <laughs> I cannot fathom it. Yeah, I thought you would be. So give it. I mean, I don't assume. Do you know, like, do either of you know, go, you know, going in, like pretty much where you're going to put this on your list? No, you I, don't. I, so you wait until I ask the question. I just uh, I just like to break the rules. Whitney, do you you know going in where it's uh, roughly where it's going to be? I know more or less. I don't know exactly like what movie I like it more or less than, but I have yeah. a good, you know, like top five, top 10, somewhere in the middle, somewhere towards the end. I've got a good idea kind of like where on the list it falls in general. And then right. it's not till I open up the list and really start saying, well, would I rather see Tune In Tomorrow or this? Would I rather see, you know, I love you to death? Or this. And then that's kind of like, I don't want to watch I Love You to Death again. I'd watch this before that. And I'm like, well, that tells me where I'd want to put it then. Uh, obviously, next week is The Matrix. And I have here, holy shit, OMG. Because it's The Matrix. It's great. It's going to be kind of a special episode. We might have some bonus content around this. I don't know if, it, if the schedule is going to shake out. I really hope to have like another episode or two specifically about The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will be great. We'll be back with that next week, but in a weird turn of events, Evan. Yeah, <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am primarily on Instagram uh, at at Evan Acre, and you can also use at Evan Acre for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So those are two spots. As we've talked about before, I'm working on some other things that are taking longer than expected. I also have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yes! Finally! <laughs> Whitney, tell us about where you are on the internet so that I don't have to anymore. I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N, and you can find me. That's Twitter. Uh, Whitney Nelson with no underscore on Instagram if you want to follow me on Instagram, but it's mostly pictures of food. It's great. And yeah, you can find all my other podcasts there. Historical Hotties. We're doing our Last Chance Redemption stuff right now. So we have narrowed it down with listener votes to our top 10 hotties that did not win their episode that deserve a second chance of being crowned a Historical Hotties winner. We have a top 10. We're going to narrow it down from a top 10 to a top four. And then we are going to um, narrow it down from top four to a winner for the year. Someone who gets crowned a historical hottie, even though they did not win their episode. So that's historical hotties. Um, Almost Better Than Silence is video game podcast that I'm on. Myth Takes is a real play RPG podcast coming out at some point in the future is uh, fast, Extremely Fast and Incredibly Furious, where I watched all of the Fast and Furious movies in one weekend. And uh, yeah, so you can find all that through Twitter. That's the easiest way. There you go. Do it up. Excited mm-hmm. to hear the historical hotties, the conclusion, the thrilling conclusion. We have a very solid top 10. I was impressed with our top 10, what we have so far. So we'll see where it goes from here. But it's, it's promising. There's some very hot people in our top 10. There we go. There we go. There's also Hunter S. Thompson in our top 10, which I don't know how I feel about that, even though he was my pick, but <laughs> that guy's nutso. He is. He's nuts. That's thanks to you, Andrew. One of your I, votes <laughs> put him into the top 10. So. I didn't want to take go, full credit Andrew. for it, but I was uh-huh. like, he's a, we talked about him also, so he's kind of a, you know, he's a unique character. He's an interesting he cat. Yes, I he's an know. interesting cat, but Andrew's vote is what took him from not being in the top 10 to just being in the top 10. Are you saying he went from being a naughty to a potential hottie? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. What a long episode. Thank you for bearing with us if you're still here. Yeah, I I mean, it's a long-ass movie. It's, it's, I enjoyed it. We did our best. I enjoyed it. We had a great discussion up top. We're having this great discussion now. And in the middle, that was the movie. So... Uh, I'm not going to be editor. able to talk tomorrow. My throat's going to be gone because I've never said this many words in a two-hour <laughs> period before in my life. It was yeah, recorded really. on a podcast, though, so it was totally worth it. Yeah. All right. You can find me on most platforms as uh, Dark Driving. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, mostly. That's a great place to find me and follow me. And But really, just uh, follow me, uh, follow the podcast and l- keep listening. I-, I love to see all the new folks that are coming up. And don't forget to send us your audio files for The Matrix, because that episode is coming up super, super fast. So uh, we would love to hear from you about that. Get you on the episode live. So please go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the end. Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. Postscript.
sharp shout out to Lindsay, who was uh, listening to us live through the whole thing. Really? Hi, Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay, you did it. Lindsay, met, ha- Lindsay had two comments. One is her feet are in the movie, which is in reference to my stepmother and Ray. And then the other comment was the baby has her ovaries, not her entrails. And that was it. That was what oh, Lindsay said. Okay. Yeah. While we were All right. That's Very an important helpful. correction. Have to reference the right uh, organs. <laughs> it looked like entrails. I'm not apologizing. It didn't look like ovaries. Yeah. To me. You know, not that I know what ovaries be. look like, but. Right. No, I'm sure she's right. It was ovaries. Because she said they took my ovaries. But yeah. Anyway. It was gross. Hey, she didn't Hi, say Lindsay. The, she didn't say Thanks the, for listening. She didn't say the baby took my ovaries. She said they did. Lindsay, send the Matrix story for on behalf of your she sister. She already please. said she would. Oh, okay, good. All right. She said, okay, fine, after I said it like the third time <laughs> at the outset. Perfect. Okay. That is the uh, that's the end of the stream. If you're still here, goodbye, Lindsay, and anyone else who might be watching. <laughs> Bye. Oh, goodbye.